0: You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Suns is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. More Suns thoughts after a three and one road trip and some tourney stock watch here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean. You can follow our show on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns, and you can follow me on Twitter and the locker room app at Brendan Clean14. But because it is a Monday, we are joined by Brandon. You know him as Zona on Twitter, he is at AZ Sports Zone. How are you feeling, Brandon? Three and one road trip. The Suns uh, notched their 31st win just moments before we hit record here it's it's a good time to be a suns fan
1: yeah it was a little sloppy there but you know uh ugly wins a good one you know you got to take them anyway you can get them especially on the road and uh yeah i mean they went three and one but it feels like you know based off of just like social media that they went like one and three so um it does but yeah, but yeah i'm i'm you know still a little concerned with how they close out some games but end of the day they won the games and that's all that matters right now
0: 100 i think that's the right way to look at it we'll get into more on that stretch uh the trip overall and then especially this hornets game because it was a it was an interesting one it was thrilling in its own way and then we'll get some thoughts on uh players in the tournament that you should keep an eye on or who have helped themselves or, or hurt themselves the most in these second couple of rounds here we are recording during sunday so we won't have thoughts on all those games but we will talk about that a bit and then i'm going to close the show with a little snippet of last week's locker room chat with brandon and i uh talking a little on deandre ayton a little bit on the trades that did and didn't happen uh so you'll get a vibe for how that format is so you can join us on fridays going forward so look forward to that to close the show but i think the the thing to start on is exactly what you were just talking about like does it worry you, how do you think about like the sloppy wins? Cause I think you can kind of go either way in it, depending on, I guess maybe just what type of like basketball consumer you are, right? Like it could be down on things. Cause it doesn't always look pretty. This team really has one ugly a lot, but then at the same time, it's like, well, we've also seen them drop games to the Pistons and, and drop games that they shouldn't. So you don't want to be too down on anything that ends in a W.
1: Yeah. It's kind of a double-edged sword, you know, um obviously if you can find a way to win there's always a positive to take out of it no matter how ugly it was so um there's that but it's also just finding a way to like put your foot down and you know close the door on teams and they've done that to bad teams especially um so obviously in the playoffs they're not going to be playing you know te- a team with a losing record so that that's encouraging but at the same time like you have to figure out how to not let teams get comfortable or hang around and um you know that those are the type of habits that get built over the course of the season and if you continue those in the playoffs against like if they played the way they did and the, like to close out a game against like the the nuggets or the clippers or the, the jazz you know they're losing that game so they they have to figure out a way to maintain some consistency there at them of the games and they've done a good job against better teams oddly it seems like but um yeah just these little hiccups that you know you don't want any of that to carry over um into the into the postseason at all so
0: yeah maybe uh I was gonna say you seem pretty confident they won't play a bad team I mean if they stay at two and something happens in the play-in game we could be set up for the Suns uh battling their kryptonite here against the sub 500 team but no I think you're I, I I see it the same way as you do I feel like um Figuring it out, even if it's ugly, even if it's uh, a little more painful than than fans might want it to be. At the end of the day, like they're not getting, they're not lucking into or falling backwards into these wins. Like I do think they're earning it. Like you said, they're they're finding a way to exert their advantages, even if it's like at the last possible second. And I feel like when we talk about that, the number one guy you have to point to is Mikhail Bridges. I mean, he in. The Raptors game gets this offensive rebound that saves the final possession for the Suns, ends in a in a foul on Chris Paul to prolong that possession, prolong that game, and give the Suns some wiggle room to take it home. And then in this Hornets game, plays 42 minutes, six steals, which was a career high, five offensive rebounds, makes a three, I believe, in the second half when, when the game was sort of tight. And um, just, I don't know what else there is to say about him as a player that hasn't already been said, but these moments show us the sort of bigger picture value, the the like intangible value that he holds here. And I think it's interesting because when you hear Booker talk about Mikael Bridges, he is always, um, he always notes how Bridges has been in these moments before as bizarre as that might sound for a third year NBA player. He won two championships. He was in really big games. And I think as we get closer to the stretch run, he's going to continue to be one of the guys that that is so poised in those moments and might make many more plays like this before it's all said and done this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's someone needs to put together like a highlight reel, or like a montage of just like the little things he does, like whenever they need it the most, because it seems like every game, there's at least like two or three occasions where he makes a play when they desperately need it. Sometimes it shows up on the box score, Sometimes it doesn't, but He's just always in the right place at the right time. And and it's not a coincidence when it's happening that frequently. Um, You know, going back to his Villanova days, like you mentioned, you know, he's a champion. He has that DNA and he does the little things that he knows, like, that they're not only going to help the team win because he wants to win, but it's going to help him, uh, you know, get paid. And these are things that, you know, teams take into account whenever they're paying a player. It's like, how does this guy impact winning? And if I'm Mikel Bridges' agent, I'm. You know, we're already looking at a pretty fat stack, a nice little mountain of money he's going to be swimming in. But, you know, I'd put that slideshow together and send it over to Starbrook because he's – I mean, there a lot of these games, they're not going to close out without him. And, you know, everyone talks about Chris Paul and Devin Booker as the closers. Uh, Mikael Bridges is the one that's really kind of, you know, know—I not I don't want to say glue because I'm so sick of saying that about him. We need to find, like, a new term. But he just holds everything together.
0: Well, yeah, gets a hand in Devontae Graham's face to close this game uh, after Graham had made a couple tight ones. Um, Eddie Johnson actually had a good point. He was giving up a drive by Graham. He knew Graham is not a player who's really going to try to beat you that way and, you know, had that in his mind and, and stayed up and and got the hand and, and it wasn't even really a close shot. I think it hit like the kind of the back of the rim. And, you know, another to the, the highlight reel, like you could just send plays from this, this road trip and and feel pretty good about the the winning ways that he brings to the floor. Um, you know, to the point where it's even surprising in that in that magic game, Bridges misses a corner three late and you're like, you know, almost shocked that that it didn't go in because of of how many of those he has made. So I, I just think he's somebody that we have to start thinking about differently. He's been a player who was waiting for these moments, right? Even when the team was bad, you knew he was going to be that type of player and he's really proving it lately. Um, one other quick guy on these these tight games, because I do think that's the storyline with fans right now is feeling a little queasy about what what the late game situations are going to look like. How much do you buy this Torrey Craig thing? We talked about it a little bit in our locker room on Friday, but uh, three more offensive rebounds. The Suns had 21 as a team today. And continues to make threes, like plays with energy. It seems like he's sort of on a mission right now to to stay in the league and and prove himself. But uh, do you, he led the team in bench minutes today. Do you feel like this is something that has staying power? Should we be thinking about him as maybe an, an ingredient that we weren't thinking about previously?
1: I think so. And, you know, this goes back to, you know, as soon as we added him, like, you know, you look at, his, his role in Milwaukee, it was never really consistent. And for whatever reason, you know, they felt like they had to surround Giannis with shooters, et cetera, et cetera. But um, at the end of the day, like he he was a starter on the Denver Nuggets who, you know, they're one of the best teams in the league the last two years. And he started like, I think, 50, 60 games for them over the last two seasons. So that doesn't happen by accident. It's not like, um, you know, and, and the reason Denver struggled so much early on was just all the, you know, versatility, they lost with, you know, Jeremy Grant, but it was also Torrey Greg. I think, um, you know, there's a reason he got those minutes on on a contender and there's a reason he's doing it with Phoenix. And I, I don't think it's a fluke by any stretch. I I don't think he's going to continue to shoot as, as like lights out as he's been. But as far as like the winning plays and like the intangibles that James Jones loves, I think, you know, that's going to come every night with him. It's kind of like with Jay Crowder, you know, he's always going to give his all, even if he goes like 0 for 9 from 3. Um you know, there's going to be nights like that. Probably not as high volume for Craig. But um as far as just making, like, the little plays and doing, you know, all the hustle and hard work on, on the glass to extend plays, he's going to bring that every night.
0: Well, it's all about what you ask of him, right? It's like the Nuggets, like, you don't want him to be a starter. And you, you probably, with Milwaukee and just how thin they were, they sort of need two-way players with every rotation spot. And they were desperate to find those guys. They've gotten a couple so far with I think Austin Rivers headed there I'm pretty optimistic about his fit there and PJ Tucker in the trade market two former Rockets I guess coming to Houston or coming to Milwaukee those guys fit more but Torrey Craig I don't think it's any knock on him that he didn't fit with that particular team because on the Suns it's like yeah he doesn't need to lead the bench in minutes every night right he probably won't in the playoffs he's going to be probably the ninth or tenth or eleventh man most nights but if you can come and ask him hey you know be our kind of Tony Allen light and, and locked down on a possession. We saw it against Charlotte. He got brought in late in the game because of, of how much Charlotte was playing a perimeter type of offense. And then they just started switching everything and and going really small that way with Crowder, like the tallest guy on the floor, Mikhail the tallest guy on the floor. So he gives them a little bit of versatility there. And he's, he's used in such a specific way that I do feel like you can count on it. I'm just really surprised that he's earned time like this already and maybe it's a little bit being fresh because he wasn't playing too much in Milwaukee I I don't know exactly what to make of it but I agree with you the energy the defense that stuff that's going to continue and they don't need him to do much more than that so uh, I'm pretty optimistic about it as well anything else from these games that caught your eye
1: um and just to kind of elaborate a little bit more on Craig as far as like the playoff rotation I think he's the exact type of depth body you need to just throw and like burn fouls like if you have to like we've already kind of talked about like some of the wings that you're gonna have to face uh, in in the playoffs potentially. So I think uh, Craig, like, I don't think he's going to play a significant role in the playoffs, but I wouldn't be surprised if he got like a couple, you know, three, four minute stretches just to kind of like wear and tear the uh, opponent's best player offensively. So um, I think he's a legit rotation piece moving forward. And um, it should have been talked about a little bit more in the deadline. Like it it just kind of flew under the radar just because you fell out of the rotation in Milwaukee, but he's legit. I think he's he's definitely already shown a glimpse of what he can do. And, um, you know, I think it was just a really good
0: move on the margins by James Jones. Another one where you kind of are starting to have to just trust his uh, judgment, right? Like he tends to understand, if not players that he sees talent in that others don't, because I don't think we should pretend like Torrey Craig is, um, you know, a world beater, but he fits exactly what the Suns like to do on both ends and the mentality that they want their players to play with. And there is something to be said for getting and identifying enough of those guys where they can be some, uh, a, sum that's whole, you know, bigger than the, okay. (laughs) Uh, A sum that's bigger than the total of their parts. And I think Craig's a perfect example of that, right? So um, James Jones continuing to prove that that type of team building can be just as valuable as you know sort of the no holds barred sean marks um strategy that we're seeing in brooklyn which is just a little different but i think uh i think i'm on the same page with you with craig that we will not uh, we will not forget about him come playoff time he will not be a stowaway at the end of the bench i think he'll make a few plays just like mikhail will um so let's get into the the tournament let's talk a little whatever's going on with oregon state i did not think we would have another monday where oregon state was still alive but here we are and uh, we'll get into some draft prospects, too, who Suns fans should have an eye on or how to think about some of the guys that might have lost. We'll get into all of it in just a second. But quick, a first word from our first sponsor of today's show, which is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. I've been telling you over and over to keep betting Maryland in the women's tourney. I hope you're listening by now. They are taking on uh, Oregon in tonight's game on the women's side, so Hopefully I don't look like an idiot telling you that when you listen, but I have a feeling I will not. I really, really buy that team. On the men's side, I mean, if you're brave enough to bet against Gonzaga, go right ahead. It might be a little more fun that way. Um, There's tons of stuff is the bottom line. And BetOnline has you covered with the real-time updated odds and props that you need to make every single bet you can. And best of all, it is free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% off your welcome bonus receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, head to betonline.ag or use your mobile device, make an account today, use the promo code locked on and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Back here talking NCAA tourney. Stock watch. We're going to do it again because some interesting players kept their names in the hat by staying alive with their teams. There's some More to talk about there. I wanted to remind you guys to check out Locked On today. While we're on the topic of the tournaments, they have you covered every morning, 20 minutes or less. Peter Bukowski does a great job with the local uh, experts, with the biggest storylines, with the debate or the cue of the day that he tees up for you every morning. So check out that show wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Brandon, I'm going to start us off here with the Stockwatch, if that's cool, because I... Made a point after we, you and I have talked about them so much to uh, watch this Baylor team this weekend. They beat Villanova by 11 and looked pretty dominant doing it, in my opinion. I mean, the second half, they just really pulled away completely. So Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell, neither guy like completely blew up. Butler only has nine points in it, one of nine from deep. Mitchell's defense got a lot of attention late in the game. Um, I'm just having a hard time deciding which one I like more. And I think that's a really good, uh, problem to have for Baylor in the tournament. Probably a really good, uh, problem for teams to have in the draft that there's two good options coming out of this school, but I do think they're going to be around in the same range and I'm having a hard time deciding which one I like and which one makes more sense for the Suns. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Baylor is a lot of fun. Um, and the crazy part about that win is they didn't even shoot the ball well and they still were in control pretty much um, the entire second half and just pulled away. So, you know, whenever they have an on-shooting night, they're almost impossible to beat. So that's why I'm really – I still, like, to this day, just want to see Gonzaga versus Baylor in the national championship. I don't care how boring that is, like, um, just pick and chalk, but
0: that's, like, It won't be a boring game. It might be a boring pick, but it would be an awesome game.
1: Yeah, the game itself would be, like, an instant classic, I think, and – um, so yeah, I, those two guards are incredible. Um, Jared Butler, I, I trust his offense a little bit more just because of his track record and his handle. I think it's going to allow him to get anywhere he wants, like on the NBA court. Um, and his shooting track records a little more, uh, his resume is a little more established. I would say like Davion's had kind of an outlier shooting year from three. And if that's yeah. real, then obviously that kind of changes the whole trajectory of his potential, especially the the pull-up shooting off the dribble stuff that he hasn't always had consistently that he's kind of thrown in. So it's a tough question. I think Mitchell probably has a higher ceiling. Like I could see him, you know, if, if this like growth curve is real and he continues to build on it, then he could be someone that winds up being a really good two way player in the league for a while. Um, But I think the little like the safer pick would probably be Jared Butler just for you know, instant offense, some secondary playmaking. Um, and he defends hard too. So it's, uh, can't really go wrong. I think they're both going to be productive NBA players and uh, they're it's just really fun to watch.
0: I just like the size and length on Mitchell. And I feel like that that's where I'm leaning because I think the Suns would yeah. value that a little bit more than like the microwave ability of, of Butler. Um, but it's hard to say. I mean, I'm just enjoying watching them. We'll have to kind of see how the pre-draft process plays out. On the other side, we saw Jeremiah Robinson Earl who I think has like sort of fallen out of the upper echelon of, of draft consideration, but maybe a tournament run would help him. I'm not even positive if he would come out um necessarily after this season. But uh who else did you have on on your list? Who who caught your eye? Or through, we're recording after five of eight games are done, just so everybody has reference. So we haven't seen uh Florida State, we haven't seen Oregon, we haven't seen USC this weekend, but uh who who's caught your eye?
1: Yeah, so Moses Moody really struggled against uh, Oral Roberts. And so that was a little concerning. He was someone that I was keeping a close eye on. Maybe not for the Suns specifically, but, um, you know, he was someone that some momentum. So that he had a rough night. Um, and then Max Ace again for Oral Roberts really stood out. I think it's hard to ignore what he's doing. Like, as an NBA evaluator, like, you have to, like, see the level of competition and, like, the tough shot making like he kind of has a total package. So I'm really interested to see, you know, there's a couple of ways he can go. He could declare and get feedback um, and then head back to school. Like if I were him, I think transferring to like a, you know, top tier school would be probably beneficial to him as far as like, you know, there's a lot of scouts kind of want that prove it mode when like when it comes to competition. So if he like transferred to like a, a big 10 school or something, that'd be a uh, fun to watch. But um, he's someone that's definitely stood out and it he had a really good look to to win the game and just you know front ironed it by a couple inches so mm-hmm. um yeah he's he's been kind of like the stand out i think for sure um,
0: the thing with him that interests me is like you were saying the the options he has or even if he were to declare this year and actually stay in the draft if he, if he felt good about his odds like usually we talk about a lot of these mid-major guys they're older by the time they become available right by the time they really break out it's because they're juniors and seniors and they're just dominating but he's yeah. an interesting one because he's doing this and he's only uh, a sophomore I don't know exactly how old he is you might know better than me but um, that's that's what's exciting to me about him do you, where do you like if you just projecting from right now understanding we don't have much info where would you guess he'd be kind of projected if the draft was like tomorrow I feel
1: like some team in the second round would probably take a flyer on him. Um, yeah. It's tough to tell. Just, like, still all the intel stuff um, isn't really updated uh, at this point, but there's been a lot of growing buzz, and, like, the tournament's going to have overreactions uh, for better or worse, like, always. So I could see, you know, as, as early as, like, the, the like, early second round. Yeah. Um, but in, like, being realistic, I think it's going to be tough for him to get any guarantees or anything like that so uh, wouldn't it shock me if he returned to school wouldn't it shock me if he declared he's just kind of in that weird mold where you know all it takes is one team to really like him. so you, you never know
0: well they could bring this team back for the most part because O'Banner I think is also only a junior so they could come and just really dominate and get an automatic bid next year that's a little higher than their seed was this year and um, probably make some noise again so that's a, that's an yeah. option for him Acemas was definitely the sort of breakout guy of this tournament, but uh, who else caught your eye or, or is it time to talk about uh, Wayne Tinkle and the Beavers? I think we can pass on that for, for now. You don't want to um, like but, a 15 minute breakdown of this, this ride for the guys who can't shoot 43% in a game.
1: Yeah, I think I'll pass on that. Hard okay. Pass. Um, but Quentin Grimes from Houston, really, he's stood out this entire tournament. Um, his numbers don't, haven't really like popped off the page or anything, but, He's, he's just been, I really liked his like improved decision-making, just making quick hits on the zone that um, Syracuse threw at them Uh really good score. He was like a five-star coming out of high school, went to Kansas, didn't really play much and had a lost freshman year uh, transferred over to Houston, kind of rebuilt his identity. Now he's back on the NBA radar. So kind of a fringe guy, like probably second round talent might return another year, but uh, he's someone that's really been impressive, I think. And, You know, could if Houston continues his run and he has another couple of good games, he could uh, play himself into getting drafted for sure.
0: Yeah, I feel like we uh, need to give Kelvin Sampson an NBA job. Yeah. I mean, what he's done with that Houston program, that's that's like not a, you know, school that that anybody should be, you know, thrilled about at any point. And he's just made them into a perennial powerhouse. They're a really good team. And he turned Grimes around. He has, you know, other guys who are going to get looks in the NBA. like. Man, he's he's a. I think he's a really good coach, and he's getting old. I want him to get that shot before it gets too late.
1: Yeah, I agree. Houston's not. Uh, it's a tough job to take, as far as like, uh, especially with him like recruiting and all that. Just getting all these reclamation projects and fitting guys into his own mold. It's not an easy thing to do at the college level. So, uh, major props to him. And yeah, it's Houston's a sneaky good team. I, I would like to yeah, see them. Fun to watch.
0: Yeah. Okay. You're going to give us predictions because you surprised, surprisingly got some of these Pac-12 runs. Correct. I I don't want to dig into the Beavers any more than you do, but we do have UCLA, Alabama coming up after we are done recording here. And then we have Oregon USC, a double Pac-12. So they both can't win that one. But uh, what you got for us, what can fans wake up to mock you about in the morning?
1: So I, I am a Pac-12 enthusiast, but I'm not at the level of Bill Walton. So I'll be realistic here and say that a little bit of uh, some of the magic's going to wear off. I think UCLA drops the game tonight um, against Alabama. I really like Bama. I think they're one of the best teams in, in the country, and their offense will be a little bit too much for UCLA to to keep up with. Um, I also think Oregon State's run is going to end against the Houston Cougars, who we just talked about. Um, Oregon State, just I mean every time I pick against them they win. So maybe I should just pick them just to be wrong so we don't have to watch them anymore. Uh but I think their run comes to an end here. Um and then Oregon versus us or yeah, Oregon uh versus USC. I think the Ducks will win that one. Really like them. I've been high on them throughout. Um place the futures on them too. So hoping okay. they can hoping they can uh give me a nice little return. But I, I think um them versus Gonzaga would be a really fun matchup. So yeah,
0: reminiscent of the uh, the final four when it was here, Oregon and Gonzaga both involved with that one as well. Um, no, Unc, unfortunately. The uh, Tar Heels have had a couple rough couple of years, but yeah, that would be that would be a fun matchup. I'm, I'm I want Oregon to win because I like watching them more, but that game tonight should be a good one. Um, yeah, I like of, Mobley,
1: but I just yeah. feel like USC might not have enough firepower to keep up offensively. Um, it, but at the same time, Oregon doesn't really have anyone that can guard like both Mobleys. So it's gonna be a really interesting matchup.
0: I just think Altman that. is a better coach than uh than Enfield. I I don't yeah. really like what USC runs. I mean, who am I to say that? But I've never been a huge I've never felt good about them in those types of spots just based on his track record. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Well that closes us out. Enjoy in the next segment our a little snippet we went like 45 50 minutes with a lot more fan and uh in participation on last friday so uh, this will just be 10 15 of the best little chunks but enjoy that and then join us on locker room going forward it's definitely yeah. really fun you get more of what we do here and yeah you you like it right brandon it's been fun yeah i can
1: I can vouch for it. You know, when it first came out, I'm not really big on like jumping on new things right away, but I was kind of skeptical, but I've been pretty active these last few weeks. It's it's a fun way to interact and, you know, just talk basketball. So come check it out. You can either talk with us live or just sit there and, you know, throw us some comments if you don't want to talk and just listen. So a good way to talk
0: hoops. All right, sweet. We'll get into that in just a second. Um, but first, a quick word from the second sponsor of today's show, which is Bilt bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market, which you know all about by now. Low calorie, high protein, and delicious 100% chocolate around each and every bar. But now is the time to find out which Bilt Bar is the best. Today's matchup is a tight one. Coconut brownie chunk and caramel brownie, two of my favorites. I told you to vote for each of them in the last round. They indeed moved on, but now they face head to head. I feel like I have to stay loyal coconut brownie chunk. We plugged on the show heavily when it came out because it was so delicious. So I have to stay loyal. So hit the, hit the pound button, whatever you, I don't even know um, what you're voting on, whether that's Twitter or the website that's at bar underscore built or built whatever it is, head there and make it happen again. We have had some success. I feel like most of my favorites have made it through but we need to keep going. So again, builtbar.com or at bar underscore built to make your vote. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best of the best tasting protein bars. Today's show also brought to you by Rock Auto. Had an exciting money-saving experience with Rock Auto recently. The sun visor on my car for whatever reason. Both of them cracked off just sitting in the heat for so long in Arizona. They both just fell off, which means the sun just stared both me and the passenger directly in the face. But Rock Auto saved the day. I went to my car, searched it, found the page, scrolled down, sun visor, one click, and it was done. Purchased it, saved a lot of money from definitely what the dealership was going to charge me, uh, trust me, uh, probably like half the cost. And It was easy as can be, rockauto.com has been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, whether it's your classic or daily driver, you'll get everything that you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Whether it's something as simple as a sun visor or more complicated like an engine control module, rockauto.com's catalog is easy to navigate and has everything you will need, quickly able to be scrolled through based on brand specs and prices. And best of all, reliably low prices and the same price for professionals versus do-it-yourselfers. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write "locked on" in their "how did you hear about us" box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com.
2: All right, guys, appreciate you bringing me up. Um, so I, I don't, know if, I, I don't know if you guys talked about this earlier, but. Um, it feels like we have a little bit of some clutch issues, some closing issues, which is a little bit of a surprise. I have not looked into the data, so I don't know what our clutch percentage and all that stuff is. So you'd have to tell me, do we have, do you see us having issues closing close games? And, you know, is that a little bit surprising, especially given the acquisition of Chris Paul and having someone like Devin Booker, who can pretty much shoot over anybody? Do you see that as an issue, especially projected into the playoffs?
0: It's a good I have to admit, at first I thought you were going to talk about clutch with a K, and I was going to agree with you, uh, the agency. But no, <laughs> I think uh, in terms of of why it hasn't been perfect yet. I mean, I think at the at the end of the day, like they are still finding their their groove. It you know we've seen a lot of games where Chris Paul's not scoring. It, it does seem to be like either Booker or Paul is the one you know in the 20s or 30s on a given night usually both we haven't really seen a game where both of them go for 30 but I mean I would I would say too like with Houston it took until the playoffs I feel like between Harden and Paul to really get into form so I think both of those guys are being patient I know that like you said the numbers I do think it's actually pretty good I know Michael Pina wrote about it at Sports Illustrated uh, looking at those two on the floor in the fourth quarter and then again in clutch time, they're both like when both of those guys are out there for the Suns, it's really, really high in the positive. But you can see it, right? Like I'm sure that's what you're getting at, Jeremiah. So I think that's part of it is those two. I think there's also some randomness when you take a bunch of threes. You know, you're gonna have nights where you're hot, you're gonna have nights where you're cold, and if you rely on that shot too much or even just, you know, rely on it like every NBA team does, there's gonna be some some bad moments late in games where they don't go in like that corner three the other night against Orlando that Mikhail took and he makes that shot how many times but he missed it in that situation and that kind of you know ended up giving Orlando a a hole to squeeze back through so that's that's part of it for me and then I think you know there's some mistakes that individual guys that have made that we could get into but that's sort of where I come down on it
1: yeah no it's it's a really good question because they have lost some games like in clutch time that you know, team with the Devin Booker and Chris Paul shouldn't be losing. But also, part of that is like you know the whole your turn, my turn thing. Whenever that's going on between players playing with each other the first time, there's always going to be that that growing curve. So they're still working some kinks out. But I think you know, as long as they're you know closing out games come playoff time, like or like before the playoffs, I would say the first like those last ten games of the season, that's where they kind of need to kick into hyperdrive. So not worried right now like you have two of the most clutch players in the league so i'm, I'm not too concerned um but it's definitely been a, a valid issue
0: the good thing to me is they they run such simple stuff but it still gets players open and gets you know good shots like we see how often does that little like flare screen that da will set for booker and then they go straight into like the paul eight and book it, uh, pick and roll right after it with with booker spacing like it's just involving your three players in a simple way. And you're getting all three of them basically open on the move in rhythm to get a shot. And it's like, when you look at how simple that is to me, it's like, all they have to do is just get comfortable. There's no, you know, missing ingredient or or failure that anyone's going through right now. Uh, Mav draft has another one for us, which is a good one. Uh, I don't know how to word this right. He says, no, you got it right. I, I get your question for sure. Your ideal choice, Brandon, and who you think would be the best in spot playoff minutes among like a fringe rotation player. So like Javon getting minutes for defense, Galloway as like a, a shooting specialist, et cetera. Who, who do you feel like is kind of the most equipped to be in that like specialist random guy who makes an impact type of role?
1: Yeah. So I think right now, if you're looking at, at a uh, eight man rotation, it's probably going to be Dario, Cam and Payne. Uh, I, should, I should say Cam Johnson and campaign. So those three are probably the main guys. So if you're going to add like a ninth guy, I think it's going to be Torrey Craig, just, you know, for the reason mm. we talked about earlier, just the defensive versatility. Um, and, you know, just his toughness and, you know, you're going to need bodies like that, that can burn fouls, burn energy and, you know, come in and play hard for a few minutes. Um, I think Monty probably goes with a nine man rotation,
0: uh, knowing him, but who knows? For sure. I think, uh, he's for sure going to be like the Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich type of occasionally frustratingly committed to going to one of those end of the bench guys for who knows what reason, you know, like mm-hmm. we'll just see Frank in like the end of the third quarter in like a game <laughs> five, you know? Uh, but actually I, Craig's interesting. Tyler agrees with you, uh, Brandon, but I would say for me, it's uh it's, it's Galloway. And I think, more and more the way that it's such a unique skill to be able to come off the bench as cold as he is not only in one game, but like he won't play for 10 games. He'll get, he'll check in and just hit two threes. Like, and a four point me, play
1: just out of nowhere. This <laughs> yeah. guy's like, just, he's just, his release is the quickest thing I've ever seen. It, it's ridiculous. Like there, we need to get him on sports science and, and test him with like Steph Curry, because I, you know, Steph probably has not by like a, a hair but it's, it's it's probably
0: close i miss sports science yeah we should we I, it, honestly it seems like it's wearing on uh on bridges somehow bridges is like clay thompson out there with his corner three release at this point so maybe uh watching galloway in practice has helped but you're totally right and i think that's to me why i feel like i could just see him you know whether it's foul trouble or just you know the offense not coming together or you know even like late in the game like we all remember troy daniels hitting that buzzer beater for the rockets against dame you know five, six years ago, whatever that was, with the Chandler Parsons <laughs> Rockets team, right? Troy Daniels, of all guys, is the one who hits a big shot in that series because he's the same type of guy. So I could see Galloway being uh, in those types of moments, even if it's as a decoy on a you know sideline play. I just feel like the Suns play one or two, three series in the playoffs this year. I could just see Galloway having a moment. But Craig's a good one, too. Yeah.
1: And it uh, looks like we skipped a question. Uh, Chris asking who the player is that Phoenix could have they got to change things in the playoffs. Um, I would say Larry Nance Jr is a guy I really wanted. It, it was probably unrealistic, but
0: oh Chris uh, knows all about Chris uh about Larry Nance. He's a uh, he's our Cavs guy at locked on.
1: Yep. And that's uh you know, I, I didn't expect Cleveland to trade him, but you know, if if they were listening, which there's reports that they were, uh you know, I would have been all over that. I I don't think that like the Suns had like the the right assets to trade to get it done, move the needle. But he's someone I think is like one of the most underrated bigs
0: in the league. Yeah. And he's another one of those guys, right? Like we were talking about before in terms of the wings where you could have actually seen Nance defend some of those, you know, wing playmakers. I don't feel like he was ever really available. Was he Chris? No. Um, you and I talked about this and he, I, he actually deleted it, but he had a tweet
2: out the day of the deadline, where is which was the Wolf of Wall Street thing, where he's like, "I'm not going anywhere." Like he put that <laughs> yeah. out of Twitter because he just actively doesn't want to be traded. But what what would have been? I'm curious. What would what do you think the best offer Phoenix could have put together for Nance's? Because there's the fake one that Lowe put out there that was like Jalen Smith a pick and whatever. What, what do you? Was that? I know, Brendan, you and I talked about that. But what do you think? That's the best reasonable deal for for Nance.
0: I mean, I, I maybe you have something different, Brandon, but I feel like it would have been, yeah, uh, Carter, Smith, and a pick that would be, like, committing to after whatever this pick they owe Oklahoma City. So it's, like, probably looking at, like, a 2024 first-rounder or something like that. That's that's probably all that they would have been able to really do. Yeah, and that's,
1: that's why nothing, I mean, like you said, he, he wasn't on the table, but if he was, I don't think anything would have gotten done like for that reason just because the Suns don't really have any good like middling assets where it's like you're either trading your young core like cam johnson or mikhail or something like that or you're going to trade like javon carter or like jalen smith there's no
0: there's really no, there's no in between, between
1: and there's yeah. no like the draft capital isn't too great uh with that pick going okc so they're kind of stuck in that that range where you know if they're going to make a move it has to be kind of like either on the margins or a blockbuster
0: Chris, do you think he would have, if he was available, would it have been like a Gordon-type package, a little less? Um, I feel like Gordon's better, no. I think so. But I, just I think what do you think the, the co- contract out of the, the Cavs value, Nance? Nance's,
2: value, right? like, Nance's contract is like one of the biggest a bargains steal. in NBA. Yeah. Um, hmm. I, I think probably a little bit less. But I also feel like... I would trust Nance more in a playoff series than than Saric. I think. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I just feel like I would, Nance. I would be locked into Nance, like pretty hardcore in my playoff rotation. I think.
0: I agree. I mean, I think yeah, because you see it when the Suns try to go big, they basically have to play Saric and Aiton together because they don't really have like a big four who's still versatile. Like to yeah. me, the Gordon Siakam Nance types—that's like the most valuable type of guy one of the most valuable types of guys in the league right now and there's so few and Nance is one. So it's like, you know, you you size up against like a Denver or something when they went, you know, in their starting lineup and all of a sudden you have Sharich out of position, you have Ayton trying to figure out how to play with another big and you're kind of discombobulated, so yeah. You get Nance, you get Gordon, you get. I mean, Siakam. If he keeps pissing the coach off, maybe he will be available. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, those types of guys, like they just make everything click into place. The Suns. That's. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a luxury, but Suns don't have that. They have Crowder, who's like six seven, and that's about it.
1: Yeah, Nance is built for the playoffs too. That, that's the main intrigue there, and like you're going to get him for less than Gordon um, in this hypothetical. So that that was kind of my thinking behind it. Like as far as value. I think he he would have been one of my top targets, but it was never really something that was like a real discussion. So, I, he yeah. he he. I would just
2: say the last thing I'll say about Nets. I'd be fascinated with him with with Chris Paul for one reason. In that, like exactly, he's a yeah. very reluctant three point shooter in Cleveland. Like he's taking like a career high in volume this year, but like he is not eager to take them all the time. And you have teams that are like, hey. I'm going to turn my back on you because we don't think you're gonna actually shoot it and we're gonna take away the Jared Allen lob. If you put him in in Phoenix and he's got Chris Paul setting him up for threes and like the eight and thread is still there as a roller or whatever like I wonder if you could bump up his volume and how the uh and if that's like enough to add like another layer of value to him. I think it might be true, but it's also like he's wired in a way where he like isn't super eager to always shoot when he's
1: got an open three no that's fair yeah seems like just a really elite role player it's just he knows his role he doesn't really go outside of it um but yeah in in a system like phoenix i think he could he could thrive just with how much spacing there is and ball movement like uh you know runs the floor well and i I think it'd be a lot of fun just see him with chris paul like you said yeah, yeah if, this, if,
0: if the Suns can, uh, I mean, I guess the, like, the thing is here with all of this, right? Like the Suns probably not giving up on Jalen Smith yet and not trading him at this deadline. I don't know how likely that ever was, but they obviously keep him. And I don't know if he's like the bronze stopper that we were talking about before. But to me, he's at least like you hope is that sort of swing forward, versatile piece who you can you can trust to defend multiple positions. Like he, I think it hopefully to them, is that sort of like... Siakam type I I'm not you know Brandon and I are not bullish on that we've talked about it several times but I think in theory that's sort of the the idea of what Jalen Smith might be yeah the answers that right now though I think is the is the thing for right? sure
2: and I guess I guess it's one of those things where I, it's industry roster construction you'll never get like super honest answers about this from like James Jones or, or God forbid the Cavs like have Kobe Alvin speak to the media but um <laughs> You know, roster building, roster building wise, like it's a fascinating question. Like, if you're Cleveland, there's probably an argument to be made that like a first in Jalen Smith is like pro, is like valuable to you. the Nance in like a purely basketball roster standpoint. And if you're Phoenix, like you probably should think that your title window is wide open right now. Maybe not wide open, but it's open. And like, is it worth it just to kind of go all in and not even if it's not like it's not like mortgaging your future in, but it's. You're going in, right? Like, you're, you're trading a guy you used a first-round pick on for yeah. commands. Like, I, it's interesting to see, like, how serious you would want to do that. It's just one of those things where, like, I, I, I'm I, – Roster building is fascinating in that specific context. Like, how teams sort of view themselves is always, like, really fascinating. And you can always tell by the kind of moves they can make or what it's reported they at least
1: tried to do. For sure. Yeah, especially with rookies and, you know, don't, like, Jalen Smith has not really played obviously so all they have is like the bubble to evaluate and so it's going to come down to like if they do try to move smith like a lot of the executives are just going to go off their like pre-draft like board or you know pre-draft like homework on him so um yeah which I think means they I think won't him as a
0: 10th pick right that's the thing oh yeah definitely if they I, don't, use that, I don't think anyone no did anyways think of him that way <laughs> yeah
1: yeah so i think there's a good chance he's he's dealt Soon. We've already kind of talked about that uh, before, but I, I don't think Jalen Smith's going to be a part of their their future just because he's their easiest asset to trade. And there's still that mystery box potential with him. So
0: for sure, I think between, you know, that that option for them with Smith, whatever goes on with Chris Paul and his option and just what Chris was saying about the aggressiveness overall, combined with the fact that on draft night, they can actually trade this year's pick again and or and or you know trade draft and trade a player that night that'll be this summer will be i think very very exciting for the suns because it it is sort of maybe one of their last times to do that they owe the oklahoma city pick starting in 2022 uh they you know might not have the flexibility once Ayton and bridges get paid all that stuff so we're gonna see more and i think that aggressiveness is going to come into play for sure but uh yeah, you're right. I mean, the the roster building of a team that jumps from nothing to being a contender is is really fascinating. But quiet deadline, Tory Craig, the only move. We'll see what they do on the buyout season. Uh, seems like we got to all the questions. Anything else you want to hit on, Brandon? Um,
1: I think, yeah, I think we covered everything at this point. Um, you know, this Toronto game is going to be a good test after that disappointing loss to Orlando. Um, we'll see how Kyle Lowry plays. Um <laughs> Just a lot of question marks heading into this uh, second half. You know, can they be a team below 500? We'll see. Yeah, is that
0: possible? Yeah, will we see the uh, end of the Siakam Nick Nurse relationship in real time while we watch the Suns game tonight? There's questions <laughs> abound, uh, but yeah, you can check us out on Monday on Locked On Suns here. Any Suns fans who don't already listen who are here, that show is wherever you listen to podcasts. We're here on Locker Room every Friday, talking to Suns, talking to NBA and uh, everything else going on in the league so uh this was fun this was the longest we've gone i appreciate everybody's questions and uh, yeah put it on your calendars for for next friday come check us out again
1: yeah thanks everyone for stopping by bye guys see ya.